I'm so glad you're watching today. Here's something I want you to know. The words of Jesus Christ, when Jesus said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, but I'll always be with you, even to the end of the age. I don't know what you may be facing in life. I don't know what your struggles are, but I want to tell you this, with the help of Jesus Christ, we're not only just going to get by, but we're going to make it through the future. Don't let worry and don't let fear define you. Don't let them keep you up at night. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Jesus is the source of our daily bread. He's the one that gives us jobs. He's the one that gives us food. And I don't know about you, but that makes me very, very content and happy because my life is in his hands. Hey, we're going to start today. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to look. Uh, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Well, I'm indeed happy to be with you in live stream. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to have church on Saturday night. It takes us an inordinate amount of time to set up, and it was supposed to rain. But we're going to endeavor to do it again next Saturday. And it's not at 6, as we normally do, but it's at 7 o'clock. Be a little cooler. And I hope you'll come perhaps a little early or stay a little longer. We want to give you a tour of the building. Uh, we'll social distance, but we want you to see the new Gander building. Our sign is up. And uh, if you want to drive by and take a peek at it, it is super exciting. But I've been sharing with you the last couple weeks about uh, a series that I've called the the corona crisis. Remember some of the messages we talked about fighting fear to re-engage life and the quarantine's over. Our city's opening back up and there's a, a degree of apprehension. You know, we learn in the Bible that caution is good, but paralyzing fear is not. Uh, we also talked about uh, last time navigating uncertainty. You remember the picture of the pilot flying through the fog? Well, that was the picture of Joshua when the Jordan River was at flood stage. And the Bible has a lot to say about how we navigate uncertainty. Well, today's message is going to be a bit prophetic. What I mean by that is there's an anticipatory or a predictive sense about the message today, and it's based on a simple scripture. It's based on Romans 8.28, and then I'll illustrate it through the life of a man named Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, his sister Mary and Martha. I want you to look at Romans 8.28, and they're going to leave this scripture on the screen for a few moments, and I want you to just let these words sink in. Paul says it this way. He says, and we know. So what he's about to say, it's like he's underscoring it. If today we were talking about this, we take a yellow highlighter and highlight these words. There's a sense of certainty, and here's what he says, that for those who love God, and I bet you if you're listening today, that's you and that's me. For those who love God, notice what he says, all things work together for good. Now, he's not saying all things are good, but he's saying the good and the bad will somehow work together and God will superintend it towards a good outcome. And then he says, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse is not to everybody. It's really to two people. Number one, he says, and think of a sandwich. The problem is in the middle. <laughs> not all things are good. This coronavirus, it's not a good thing. But yet, if I love God... And if I'm called according to his purpose, this is what encapsulates the troubles. Now, his purpose simply means it's not just about my happiness. It's not just about me having fun and not being inconvenienced, but it's through the troubles God will bring about something good. Now, in your life, it could be a job loss. 
Uh, I, I know people that are endeavoring to have a child and have not been able to have a baby. You ask, why not God? Some of us may face sickness. We may face loved ones who have, you know, done things that just grieve our hearts. In all of this, I want to tell you, we live, we serve a good God. We live in an evil world where Satan is at work, but God somehow will bring a good outcome to all of this. I want today's message to be a word of hope to you, a word of encouragement about what God can and will do. And we know this for a certainty. I've entitled this uh, the message this weekend, uh, You'll Thank Me Later. It's my wife's idea. It's from an old show we used to love. It was called Monk. And Monk would say it all the time. He would say that little phrase. He would do something that nobody else understood. And he'd say, you'll thank me later. Well, now listen, we may not understand what God is doing behind the scenes, but when it's over and we get to the other side, we'll thank him. Let's begin today. John chapter 11, we're going to look at the life of Lazarus. And this statement, I call it a spiritual truth, is what I want to develop for you in the course of this message. Pastor Travis preached on the life of Lazarus several Wednesdays ago. It was an encouraging message. He brought one perspective. Now I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. John chapter 11, the truth I want to bring you today is simply this. God brings good out of bad circumstances for people who love him and are called according to his purpose. John chapter 11, the scripture begins this way. It says, Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was sick. He was from a town called Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. There were no emails. There were no you know, text messages. They knew exactly where Jesus was. They sent someone to him. He was close enough where someone could walk and tell him. And then Jesus said these amazing words. He said, this sickness won't end in death. In other words, he knew what was on the other side. No, it's for God's glory. Now listen, that God's son may be glorified in it. Sickness is a bad thing. Sickness is not a gift from God. Sickness became, came when sin came into the world. But what, what the scripture is going to show us is that God will receive glory through something's bad and something good will come out on the other side through the life, death, and life of Lazarus. Verse 6, when they heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus stayed where he was two more days. Now, if we can, let's kind of crawl into this scene a little deeper. You've got people that love Jesus. They have a need. They have a great problem. Jesus knows about it, but he seemingly doesn't do anything about it, at least not yet. Uh, bad things happen to people who love God, and they happen because of Adam's sin. And I want to speak this to you very clearly. If you're in a situation that is trying, if it's troubling, if there's pain, if there's heartache, if there's loss, don't get angry at God. Listen, this is the door that opened up when God told Adam and Eve that if they sinned, they would surely die. This was the consequence and this was the result. Uh, bad things happen because of Adam's sin, but God can turn around what Satan meant to harm us. God can literally turn it around to advance his purpose. You know, we have an assumption, and it's not a bad assumption, but we have an assumption that if we're sick, Jesus is able to heal, he loves us, and he's going to make the bad situation go away. 
We even have scriptures that support this. I know them, I believe them, I pray them, I teach you those same scriptures, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes the miracle doesn't happen or it hadn't happened yet. Sometimes the scripture's not fulfilled or it's not fulfilled yet. The delay in Lazarus' case was not because he didn't love them. He deeply loved them, but he's waiting for the right moment in the Father's plan. And I want you to see this whole corona crisis, this virus that we're under, the shutting down of our nation, unemployment, you know, the craziness that's all in our world today. I want you to know that this bad thing, God is somehow going to bring good out of it in amazing ways. You say, well, what good can come from the coronavirus? Well, I want to tell you this, friend. People are coming to Christ. That's a good thing. Christians are waking up from their slumber and getting serious about God. That's a good thing. I've, I've personally had a wonderful thing happen in my life. Uh, it's being able to be with my children. Uh, my son John, uh, my daughter-in-law, Brittany, uh, Bethany, uh, Rebecca. Uh, they were with me almost six or seven weeks. And then, of course, the grandkids. I've got a couple of pictures. I don't, I, they'll show them. It's just several of them here. But you can see one of the most joyful memories and times that I've had in my life. That's what they gave me for my birthday, those two little boys. Uh, you can keep going there. You know, here they are, we're laying on the hammock every day. It was a fun thing for a little boy, almost three, and another little boy that's, oh, probably eight or nine months old. He, we watched him learn to crawl. He got his teeth when he was here. And here's Lonnie. What a wonderful time that we had with those boys. And uh, here's a little memory that's uh, ingrained in my mind. We're in my yard, and we're taking pictures that are there. But uh, look at this next one. I think it'll make you smile, <laughs> eating watermelon. Well, you know, these are just simple things. But yet if life would just have been as it normally was, they'd have been in Rogers, we'd have been here, we wouldn't have seen them. I want to tell you, good things can come out of something bad, but I want to read something that caught my attention this week on a spiritual note. Uh, it was a testimony, uh, and I read it in WorldNet Daily. It said a 20-year veteran police officer was quarantined. He felt he was battling anxiety. He was afraid he'd have the coronavirus and afraid to face death. You know, this coronavirus is brought to our attention. It's almost like they've made us afraid we're going to die every day. There's just headlines I won't read because the fear is just all around me. And it's made us focus in on the certainty of death one day. And we're doing everything we can to avoid it. Well, here's a policeman in his inner world. And notice what it says. It's so interesting. He asked Siri. In other words, he just pushed a button on his phone and he said, Siri, how can I get saved? True story. And Siri led him to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association website, and he began chatting with one of the volunteers who shared God's word about how he could find peace and a relationship with Christ. Now, that's a good thing that's come out of this. We had it happen in our own church uh, last week when we had our, um, our service, our outdoor service over at the former Gander Mountain building. After it was over, people stayed for prayer, and there was a young man that was there that just literally said he was at his wit's end, and he needed Christ. He got saved right there in the parking lot. I want to tell you, we know that for those who love God, for those called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. <laughs> Wherever you are, you should give the Lord some praise right now. Now, let's keep reading. Look at verse 11. Um, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. This is Jesus speaking, but I'm going to go wake him up. And the disciples replied, this is classic, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. Now, we know that's true when we're sick. One of the best things you can do is take a nap, but that's not what Jesus was talking about. You see, 
the euphemism for death for the believer in the Bible is sleeping. Verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there, so you may believe. Here's the good coming out of it. See, like the disciples, we're often blind to what God's doing until it's over. When we're in the middle of a crisis, we don't know why it's happening. We don't know where God is. And kind of like them, we thought, well, like he's sleeping. We're blind to it. And our first response, mine is, is to ask God to make the problem go away and we'll be happier. But let me speak to you just a moment as a mature believer. As a mature Christian, when I'm in a crisis, I want to try to discern why God is allowing the problem and what does he want to do in it. Now, we're reading back, we're looking back in history, literal historical ex, uh, experience with Lazarus. We see now that God's going to use the experience of his sickness and his death and literally being brought back to life, a miracle that's going to cause many people to believe. And this is what, uh, this is what happens. Now, look at verse 17. When Jesus gets there in Bethany on his arrival, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And Jesus was not that far away. Lazarus had been, he was buried now four days. And of course, it was there uh, in their history and tradition, they would typically bury you the same day you died because it was hot, you know, the body would begin to smell. I mean, it was just, they buried you. He's there four days. Now, verse 20 is what I want you to think about. And I want you to put your, uh, put your feet, as it were, or put yourself in their shoes. When Jesus arrived, uh, he found Lazarus in the tomb four days. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. When I have crisis in my life, when God lets me down, when a big prayer is not answered, when I'm confused and hurt, sometimes I'm like Mary and sometimes I'm like Martha. Sometimes I'm a Martha who just runs to Jesus in prayer. If I'm in church service worshiping, I might get down on my knees and cry before God, or I might come to the altar, and I really seek after the Lord. But Mary stayed home. Sometimes our life as a Christian it doesn't make rational sense. We say we believe the Bible. We say its promises are true. Sometimes our life doesn't match up. And I wonder what was going through Mary's mind. Perhaps, Jesus, why'd you let Lazarus die? Don't you care? She knew how close he was. She obviously asked, our, asked herself, why didn't you come quicker? She felt like Jesus had let her down. And here's something that I want you to learn from this. When reason offers no answers, rely on faith. Now, if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this today. And I, I, if possible, I wish I could just open up the depths of your heart and drop this truth in. When reason and logic don't make sense, let faith sustain you. Look at verse 28. Well, Martha went back and she called her sister Mary. And she said, the teacher is asking for you. And now it's different. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. This same girl who said, Jesus must not care. If he did, this wouldn't be happening. Now she's running to Jesus. When she goes to him, notice what uh, a lesson here. When God disappoints us, we may quit following him. But listen, deep down in our hearts, we still believe. We know that there's nothing better than Jesus. So we get up and we start to follow him. 
I remember in my own life, it's kind of a silly humorous story now. In, in my 60s, I've been married almost 40 years. But when I was in my early 20s, I was in uh, Alaska and then Japan uh, in the Navy. And I remember I had this girl and I was just in love. And, and uh, I had left her in Alaska and we were talking about, oh, you know, our future together and so excited. And then I went back to California and then I, I was in Okinawa, Japan, and she just quit writing me. And I was just devastated. And, you know, I had great faith. I just believed God. I believed if I just prayed hard enough and, and twisted God's arm in prayer, which, you know, the Bible talks about persistence in prayer. And if I just prayed hard enough, well, God would bring that girl back in my life and I'd live happily ever after. Well, I, my faith brought it to a place where I put a time on the answer. And I, now you'll laugh at me and it's okay, but I literally believed that she was going to mail me a letter on a certain day. And, you know, I went to the mail that day and it was not there. Now, don't laugh at this. This is the faith of a 20-year-old. I went back to my barracks room, and I, had a, I was believing that an angel would just put her little letter under my pillow. It's a true story. I got in my room, and I looked under that pillow, and there was nothing there, and I sat down, and I was devastated. I just felt God didn't care, so I was going to get even with God. I just didn't go to church for a couple weeks. <laughs> you know, like, like God absolutely needed me there. But you know what? I didn't go to the clubs. I didn't start drinking again. I, I still believed in God, but I was a little like Mary. I'm disappointed. I was hurt, and I felt like God didn't care because I wanted it so badly. Well, you know something that I couldn't see? That God had something better in mind for my life. For my life, it was a girl that I didn't even know existed. Her name was Linnell. She was a missionary, as it were. Her dad was a pastor. And uh, when I went back to California, I got over the girl that had rejected me. And shortly after I got there, I met Linnell. I cannot think of a person that could have been a better wife for me. But listen, I can't think of anyone that I've ever met that had been a better port partner with me as together we advanced the kingdom of God. She, if you were here or if you watched last weekend, she shared the pulpit with me on Mother's Day. She's a tremendous speaker. She goes all over the world doing missions. I mean, she and I fit like a glove, and I'm so honored to have her as my wife. But yet, when I didn't get that letter, I was ready to give up on God. Listen, friends, I want to tell you, God knows best. We know this. For those that love God, those that are called according to His purpose, it's His purpose, not ours. All things work together for good. My pain was not good. My disappointment was not good. Mary's pain was not good. But God worked it for good. Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 32, when Mary saw Jesus, she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her weeping. And this was in the depth of her soul. And notice what it says in verse 33. Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit, and he's troubled. Now, these are two different things. This idea of being troubled has to do with Jesus was, uh, was angry, he was frustrated, he was mad. So there's two dynamics that go on. And then verse 35 said, Jesus wept. How do we make sense of this? Well, when he was deeply moved in his spirit and he's weeping, you see, he saw Mary's pain. Now, Mary, all she felt was the pain and didn't know the big picture like Jesus did. But when Jesus saw the pain of someone he loved, he wept. 
God's not sitting in heaven seeing how much you can endure before you break. When you hurt, your father hurts. When my children, who are all adults now, and they're on their own, and they make a decision, and there's some consequences to it, and they're hurting, they're not happy, they don't know how it's going to work out, they're frustrated. I just want to go as their, as their daddy, just take them up in, in my arms and just tell them it's going to be okay, and I love them. But if I can't physically do that, there's a tear in my eye and a tear in my heart because I love them. We forget sometimes that for God so loved the world that he left heaven, came down, died on a cross because he wanted to spend eternity so much with us. I'm going to tell you, friends, if you're in pain and you're hurting, your God is an ever-present help for you. Jesus even said he'd send the comforter to hold us up. But when Jesus said he was troubled or angry, he was mad at Satan. He was mad at the tyranny that Satan was bringing about, that Satan had brought sorrow and death through people that entered through the door of sin. I believe a lot of what we're seeing in America today, I believe two things are happening. I believe God is using this. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but God wants to shake the world so many people will come to Christ. Well, let's, uh, let's keep reading verse 38. Jesus comes to the tomb, and he said, take away the stone. Now, let's get the picture. Dead four days. They buried him in a, a tomb. There's a stone rolled in front of this tomb to keep people out, to keep the smell in, you know, as a, as a kind of a sacred, holy place. Jesus just walks up to it. People are all around now. It's very public. He said, take away the stone. Martha says this, very practical. Martha says, and this is factual. By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. So do you often try to tell God things that he must not know? <laughs> I know I do because I live in a rational world, yet there's a supernatural world on the other side that God is at work in. And then Jesus said this, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you'd see the glory of God? In other words, you'd see the manifestation of something miraculous? So after four days, the body would smell and if they removed the stone, they ran the risk of becoming defiled. And if you know in the Old Testament, it talked about one of the things that would keep you out of temple worship or out of the ceremonial worship was to be around or to touch a dead person. You know, you would avoid the dead. Uh, but their obedience was necessary if Jesus' purpose to be realized. You see, the sisters were the one that had the authority and if they had not trusted Jesus and given him permission to open the tomb, Lazarus would never have come out. And this is what I want you to see. It's not automatic that good's going to come out of the crisis. We have to have a step of faith and obedience. You see, we're endeavoring to stay in step with the Holy Spirit in terms of what we're doing and the life that we're living. And there will be times when good is on the horizon, but there must be a step of faith. There must be some obedience on my part. Well, for me, it was coming out of my little cave and cocoon after two weeks of pity party because Jesus didn't give me the girlfriend that I wanted. But I got up and I began to re-engage Christ. And uh, I, found, I, I found, of course, in this case, Linnell one day, but here's another thing I want you to notice. Jesus didn't say you'd get your miracle. Remember when Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe? He didn't say you'd get your miracle. Now, faith is required for miracles, but that's not what he said. He said you'd see the glory of God. So uh, uh, what I want to encourage you in this, listen, have faith for the miraculous. 
Have faith for God to do supernatural things. Stand on the word. Believe the word of God. Confess the word of God. I do it every day of my life. But if you're ever in a situation where when the answer is elusive and it's not happening the way that you desire, perhaps there's something greater that's not just for my happiness, that's not just for my comfort or for my pleasure, uh, but it's for the glory of God, that is for the ultimate building of his kingdom. Now, what would that be in this case? Uh, It would be that multitudes would come to Christ. If we had time today, we would go throughout not only John chapter 11, but we'd look at John chapter 12, and we would see that when Jesus is having, uh, uh, he's at uh, a home, they're having a meal to celebrate Lazarus, we would see that over and again, the Bible says that many people came, not just because of Jesus, but because they wanted to see Lazarus, and when they did, multitudes of people believed. They didn't believe it because Lazarus lived the life. They didn't believe because Lazarus died. They believed it because Lazarus died and lived again. And this is where God gets glory. And this is what it's all about, building his ultimate kingdom. Look at verse 41. It's the crowning mark of the passage. It says, they took away the stone. I don't know how it happened. I'm sure it was some strong guys there. Maybe Peter was there, several other the guys. But they perhaps they had to take a, 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 a tree or a pole and wedge it in there and pull that stone out and leverage it out. But when they did, Jesus said three words, Lazarus, come forth. And it's interesting, Augustine once said that if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus' name, people would have come out of the graves everywhere. But when he said, Lazarus, come out, the dead man came out. Let me say it again. The dead lived again. Whatever it is that's standing in your life, in your way, in this coronavirus, your own personal life, a struggle that you're having that nobody knows, a pain that you're living through that seems unbearable, an unfulfilled promise, an unfulfilled dream, an unfulfilled hope, Jesus has the power to say, Lazarus, come out. Listen now. And the purpose of this crisis, verse 45, many of the Jews believed in him. Remember our text in Romans, those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we're in a situation in life where we don't like what's happening. But if we'll follow God, a greater purpose will emerge. and The kingdom of God will be built. And I'm speaking to you today as mature believers. I'm speaking to you today words of meat. I'm speaking to you today of something bigger than just our pleasure and our happiness, the building of the eternal kingdom of God. Lazarus was a walking miracle and a walking testimony what God can do if we're willing to stay the course and not give up when the difficulty's there. I want to close today again with our text that we've alluded to a number of times today. It says, we know. And I want to tell you today, friends, you can know. You may feel discouragement, depression, worry, anxiousness, but could you just do something for me right now? I want you to just take a deep breath and just say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I wish it would go away but I believe. We know that for those who love God, that's you, that's me, that all things work together for good.
Not just the bad things and not just the stair-stepped good things, but all things. They're not good, but they work together. It's like you put a cake mix in the oven. You've mixed flour, you've mixed chocolate. I hope, I'm a chocolate lover. (laughs) Whatever else you put in, you put an egg, you put in some milk, you put in some whatever the case may be, some vanilla, and something happens in the process of that oven. There's a change. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. You and I aren't just called to go to heaven and love God. We're called to participate in the purpose of God on the earth. And I want to tell you, friend, as we pursue that purpose, God will use the things in life. Lazarus' sickness and Lazarus' death were not good, but God turned something bad into something good. And what he did for Lazarus, he'll do for us in this corona crisis if we love him and stay committed to his purpose. And you know what? I think we'll thank him later. That's what Mary and Martha did. That's what Lazarus, can you imagine when Lazarus came out of that tomb? Can you imagine when Mary went up to her brother, her big brother or little brother, whatever the case, she loved him. She, and can you imagine the three of them just hugging each other and the tears that they cried? But can you imagine what happened after that? When Lazarus would see multitudes come to Christ, when he would see people get baptized, making professions of faith in Jesus. Listen, friends, I want to tell you, the best is yet to come as we believe that our God is going to take something bad and make it into something good. Now, listen, I want to pray for you today, for all of us that are here. I know many of you, as I've been speaking today, you sense the Holy Spirit talking to you in this. And as God was talking to you, you thought about your problem, your struggle, or your need. We're going to pray about that. But I want to first pray for those of you that may be listening You remember early in the message when I talked about the policeman? Well, that policeman, 20 years, he was a veteran cop. I mean, you just think about him, tough. You know, he he looks sharp. He knows the party's weathered. He can read the lies. He's just a tough guy. You, You know, if he says, put your hands up, your hands are in the air. But yet deep in his heart, he's a little boy, just like all of us are little boys and little girls inside. We want dad to help us out when the burdens are too great. Or that young man in the parking lot at our church last, uh, last weekend when he said, life is just overwhelming for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to follow him. You know, most people come to Jesus out of felt need. I know I did. I joined the Navy. I, I left as a 19-year-old. Life was going great. I, I mean, I was in college. I was on a scholarship. I had tons of friends. You know, I had a new car, blah, 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 blah. Everything in life was good for me. But in my heart, something was missing. There was a God-shaped hole. And for the first time in my life, I realized that I needed God. And for the first time in my life, I didn't just pray because I wanted God to fix it so I could keep going my own way. I was willing to turn around, and there's a cross in front of me, and that symbolizes the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a powerful thing. August 15, 1976, I prayed a very simple prayer in a Navy boot camp. I committed my life to Jesus I asked him to forgive me. I asked him to save me. And I committed my life to follow him. You can do it right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today if you want to make a commitment of your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your life to Christ. You used to walk with the Lord, but whatever happened, you quit. Could we just make this step today of turning from the life we were living 
to turning to the way that God wants us to live. Let's pray together. And I want you to bow your head. And if you'd like to, just get out on your knees. And I want you to say these words after me. And I'll just lead you in a prayer of invitation. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, that's it. Go ahead and say it. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me hope. And thank you for the power of forgiveness for my sins. Today, Lord, I realize I've sinned and you're the only Savior of the world. I look to you as my Savior. I look to you for forgiveness. But Jesus, I don't want just a ticket to heaven. I want to follow you as my Savior and Lord. So I ask you today to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And Jesus, with your help, I'll live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, what you did is a starting place, just like I did August 15, 1976. I didn't see an angel, you know, nobody, nobody even knew. I was in the privacy of that Navy boot camp. But in my heart, I'd made a decision. And God heard that. It's like I reached up to heaven and there was this hand reaching down to me to pull me up to where God wanted me to be. Listen, we want to help you if you made that step to Christ because the Christian life is lived out every day. There's a number on the screen. It's 97,000. If you'll just go to your phone, if you'll text that and just write the word restored, which means restored in relationship to God, or you can just say, I need Jesus uh, saved, uh, anything like that. Uh, we'll send you a series of, of a short video recordings that I've done to help you grow spiritually. If you want information about the church, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to be a part, want information, you text that number 97,000 and just write the word info and we'll get you some info about Church on the Rock too. But I want to close right now before we go. For those of you in particular that are hurting, your Lazarus has died, or at least it seems like he died. Something big is missing in life. And you really don't know where God is, but you want to, you remember how Mary first stayed home? And then she went out to Jesus. You want your faith to take you back to Christ. I want to pray with you now. Lord, today you know everything about every person that's hurting, that's sad, that's lonely, that's wondering why their prayers have not been answered, that's wondering why they lost their job, wondering, Lord, why their kids hate them. It's a million things. Lord, today I want to ask you to invade this situation. I just want to pray that God would come in a profound way. I want to pray that you would give them the grace to see and to believe for the purpose of God, to get up as it were and continue following you, to not let depression or discouragement or disappointment hold us back any longer, but let us rise up in faith, believing that our God is able, and that our God was for us and not against us. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you just come into the room in a very special way where all of my friends are now and meet with us. Welcome Holy Spirit now in Jesus' name. If you're seeking a God moment now, we're going to go back and worship with Pastor Zach for a few songs. And I want you to just keep in this quiet place and let your heart reach out to God. I love you. 
Thanks for being here. Turn, tune in next Wednesday night, 6.30 to our, our, our video live stream. And then next Saturday, Lord willing, we'll be out at Gander Mountain at uh, 7 o'clock. And again, this Sunday, if you're watching Saturday night or Sunday at 9, this Sunday at 11 o'clock, we'll open the side sanctuary door. We'll watch the worship on the screen, and then we're going to pray together for about 45 minutes. Honored to have you apart. Let's worship with Pastor Zach. I love you. saw the Lord seated on his throne and he was clothed in glory and exalted high And the train of his road and feel the temple and the angels circle round him and cry. And they were singing that you are holy, oh, so holy, you are holy, Lord of all. See?
so excited that you chose to, to tune in with us this weekend and uh, we just pray that you'd have a blessed day today.